Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning at 1030 as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now we continue our study in the Gospel according to John. We're in John chapter 10 as Pastor Joel Woodard brings us his message, The Good Shepherd. Uh, I'd like to begin today the sermon. We're going to continue our series in the book of John. Uh, I'd like to read from John 10 to begin the message. John 10 and verse 11. Uh, And I know it's kind of uh, redundant because I know you just sat down, but would you mind standing just as we read uh, God's word? John John 10, uh, beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this uh, pretty familiar text uh, of Scripture, Lord, I pray that this morning that we would hear your voice, that you would speak directly to each one of us. No no matter what this week has brought, the the burdens people are carrying, the struggles in life that they are in, that they would hear um, just the sweet, precious voice of you calling to them, that you know them by name, Lord, that you are the, the good shepherd who lays down his life for us, who cares for us, protects us, leads us. Uh, And Lord, that as um, as we spend time in your word, that we would hear from you, our good shepherd. So open our eyes so we can see, open our ears so we can hear, soften our hearts so we'll understand. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Before we actually jump into John, uh, I want to tell you about my sister. Um, which you may not even know I have a sister. Most people uh, don't. Uh, my sister is just a little bit over a year and a half older than me. Um, there she is there. She is a fourth grade teacher in South Carolina. And so uh, she's so similar to fourth grade teachers. You would, Michelle, you'd love her. Like you two would you'd get along uh, just great. Um, she has two uh, adult children. Um, and my sister got married when she was very young. So I was a sophomore in high school. She's just a year and a half older than me. So she was a senior, got married right out of high school. Uh, so my last two years in high school, she wasn't around. And the couple years before that, uh, actually, we were a little bit like oil and water. Uh, we fought a lot. We didn't like each other a lot. And to be honest with you, I was a jerk. I was selfish. I was arrogant. I, didn't, I was not nice uh, to my sister at all. So the, even the few years before uh, she got married, we didn't, really, uh, we didn't really get along that well. So I didn't really even know my sister. That's, this is over like 30, 30 years ago now. Well, last or two, some, or two Christmases ago, we got to go back to South Carolina, and we had a family reunion. First family reunion we had been on in 10 years uh, so some of our kids, my brothers and sister, had never met. 
there, there was just, it was great to be back together. Well, we landed in Charlotte, North Carolina, and my sister uh, and her husband, we stayed the night at, at their house. And, and that first night, me and my sister got to just sit and talk. And it was really, it was really sweet, because uh, we didn't know each other. Um, it's, it had been so, uh, so long. And she had this, my sister had this image in her head, which it was right for that time. She had this image in her head of high school Joel, this arrogant jerk who cared nothing about her and actually just pushed her down. Like, that's the image she had in her head. And, and as I sat there and talking to her and getting to know her, uh, I, I wanted her to know me. Like, I wanted her to know the 30 years of what the Lord had done in my life, and that that image that she had in her head wasn't me. Uh, she confessed. She's like, when I heard you moved out to Oregon, and then they made you a pastor out there, she's like, I knew Oregonians were crazy. <laughs> but she said, to, to like, people calling you pastor, those people must be just crazy, because you're not at all a pastor, uh, because of the image that she had in, in her head. And so that night, it was really kind of sweet, and it was very long, as we just talked. And, and, and I patiently, like, no, the Lord's done some things in my life. I, I'm not the 16-year-old Joel that's only thinking about myself. I, I, the Lord has done, he's humbled me, he's shaped me, he's changed me. Now, I'm still not perfect, so I didn't tell her that. <laughs> but... The image that she had in, in her head, I, I wanted her to know the real me and, and where I was at. Now, in the same way that my sister had this image of me that actually wasn't correct, we're going to see in our text today that their Jewish leaders have this image of who Jesus is. And they think they, they, think they got him. But Jesus is like, no. I, I earnestly desire that you know who I am truly. And so it's almost like Jesus just sits down on a couch and spends hours into the night sharing with these Jewish leaders, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. I, I truly desire that you know who I am. Well, you, you might be uh, sitting here today, and I, I'm guessing for every one of us, we have an image of who we think Jesus is in our head. It's probably from past experiences with maybe Christians or in church, uh, it may be from uh, some Bible text, or, or maybe you just have this image of, of who Jesus is that you're like, yeah, I think that's who he is, but how do, I don't even know how I get to know him in that. Maybe, maybe you have an image of Jesus, like a, a friend that I was just with this last week who, who thought, yeah, Jesus is really far out there, and he's really busy with all the universe stuff. He doesn't care about me. He's let my life just fall to pieces, and he doesn't do anything. Jesus is way far out there, and that's my image of him. He doesn't care about me at all. Well, how do I get to know who this Jesus truly is? Well, that brings us back to our text today, uh, as Jesus is going to pause all the miracles, all the signs, all these wonders, and he's going to sit down and say, I, I desire that you truly know who I am. That that image that you have in your head, you place against the, what Jesus is going to give you the, us three images this morning. The image you have in your head, place against these three images. An image of a shepherd, a king, and then actually God in the flesh. A shepherd, a king, and God in the flesh. He's going to wrap all these images together of who he is. A shepherd, a king, and God in the flesh. If you want to, in the Pew Bible in front of you, we're on page 842. We'll be in John 10. John 10, 840, 
page 842. Let's look at the first image of a shepherd. Jesus as the shepherd. John 10, verse 1. says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Now this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. We're going to stop right there. He's using a very uh, familiar image. I mean, even you probably have this picture, and we're not even around shepherds. Even you have this, this image in your head of, okay, a shepherd, uh, a sheepfold, and, and this, uh, uh, this gate that's there. Uh, we, we kind of have an idea of, of what that is like. He's, he's painting this image of a, a sheepfold, this enclosed area where sheep would be con Contained, Like you can think of rocks all being uh, piled up and around and, and an opening in there. Uh, the sheepfold can actually also be uh, translated in the Greek. It's most often translated courtyard in the courtyard in the temples. Uh, so he's kind of overlaying this sheepfold with the courtyard uh, image. And, and he's painting this picture of uh, the sheep in there. And how do we know who the shepherd is? The true shepherd. And he, he's saying there is someone who has authority to open and close a door to get into that sheepfold. And, and actually, uh, there is one who goes through the door, which means the owner of the sheep and the sheepfold have allowed enter. The owner of, of all of this has allowed someone to enter. That person is the true shepherd. But you could say, well, well how do you know? Like, they're both standing there, so how do you know which, which is really the true shepherd? So he goes on to describe them. And describe them in very tender terms. Uh, I'm just going to point out three things of this shepherd, the description of the shepherd. First, he, he knows his sheep personally. He knows them by name. It's not a herd of sheep for this shepherd. This, this shepherd spent time with these sheep. He, he knows that little lamb that was just born, Samson. He, he knows he is prone to just take off if he's not around uh, some adult lamb or sheep. Uh, so he watches him very close. He, he knows that, that older sheep, Mary, he knows, boy, I know she's tired and she just needs encouragement. She, she needs to get water. She needs to be in the grass. I, I need to take care uh, of her. He knows that little sheep, Wooly, who hurt his little hoof, needs to be like, picked up and, and carried for a bit because he's hurting. He, he knows them. He spends time with his sheep. His sheep know his voice so that even if other sheep come into the midst and the shepherd goes, come on, we're going this way, they're like, yes, I trust this shepherd. The shepherd knows. This is intimate, personal. He, he knows them by name. We see that he knows the sheep's needs as well. He says he leads them out and he leads them in. He's got this overall vision for what the sheep needs and when he needs it. That he would actually maybe take him through a valley that has nothing because he knows there is a greener pasture on the other side. And the sheep is going to have to just trust the shepherd as he leads them through this valley 
to get to the green grass. He, he knows. He has a purpose. He has a plan in place. He knows what the sheep need even more than the sheep do. And finally, we see that he protects the sheep. He goes out be, before them. He lays his life down for them. It, it, it's the idea of walking along and all of a sudden a wolf comes. And the very first thing to meet this wolf is a shepherd who's going to fight the battles for the sheep, knowing that they are, they're weak and innocent and vulnerable. The shepherd's going to go out and protect them. He'll fight the bear. He'll fight whatever to, to protect his sheep because he knows them. He knows what they need. Now, Jesus paints this picture of a shepherd and a sheepfold and, and sheep. And the leaders are like, huh? What do you... I don't get it. What are you, what are you talking about? Because uh, in their mind, I think this image that they're seeing is they're like, well, sheep are dumb, right? They're stupid animals. They, they really only serve you. Like, you can sell them, you can kill them, you can take their wool. They're there for you. So they're like, this doesn't make sense. These sheep are expendable. Why in the world would a shepherd lay down his life for a sheep? That seems backwards. Why would you protect them? Sheep should just be used for your own benefit. At least that's how they reconcile it. So when Jesus is saying this, they, they just, they're not quite getting it. So Jesus gives them another image to stack on top of the shepherd image, and that's of a king. A king. Now, uh, I'm just going to warn you, this king image, as we walk through it, you're going to be like, this has no reference to a king at all. But, but we're going to, we'll get there, and you'll see how the idea of shepherd is actually the old Jewish term for king. Shepherd and king go, go hand in hand. So as we walk through this next section, uh, stay with me, and you'll see as this image of a king arises uh, from the pages uh, of John in Jesus' speech. John 10, starting in verse 7. So Jesus went again and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come, came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep do not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he sees a wolf come and he leaves. He leaves the sheep and, and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Well, he flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of the words. Many of them said, He has a demon. He's insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's stop right there. 
referring back to uh, the last chapter, how Jesus opened the blind man's eyes. The, these, these people right in front of them are, are, are spiritually blind, and they, they can't see. And, and, and Jesus is, is slowly, patiently trying to explain to them who he really is, and if they would just understand and see. And if you notice twice in this, he, he says, uh, I am. Uh, first he says twice, I am the door. And then he says twice, I am the good shepherd. Now, if you just read through the whole passage, it just gets confusing. So uh, are, you, are you the door? Are you the, the shepherd? Like, what Im- like, you're just mixing all these images, and you're like, what, now what are you trying to say? Are you the door or are you the shepherd? Just give us one. Why don't you just stick to one image, and, and that would help us out. But for an ancient Jew listening to this, they would not think of two images. They would see the one together. See, a sheepfold, this enclosed area, uh, would have an opening at it. So that way, anyone that's going out or coming in, they could put their sheep in there, and the shepherd would then lay at the door where the opening was for the the sheepfold. And in that position, nothing could come in or out of the sheepfold except for what the shepherd said. Uh, A sheep couldn't get out if the shepherd was there. Uh, A wolf couldn't come in if the shepherd was there. Uh, He was controlling, he had authority and power to say what's going in and what's going out. Nothing comes in and out of the sheepfold without the shepherd's authority. Now, if the Lord is your shepherd, then you can echo the words of David. I I don't need anything. The, the, The shepherd is going to protect me. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. So then when you're in the sheepfold, or even when you're out of the sheepfold, if you're following the shepherd, you know that everything that comes into your life has been filtered by the shepherd, who has a bigger plan than you could ever see, who loves you, who protects who knows you by name. Well, what does that have to do with being a king? This image of a king. Well, Jesus and all the Jewish leaders there, they have a text in mind as Jesus starts saying this. They, they know it. Uh, it's a text from Ezekiel. And if you're in women's or men's Bible study, I encourage you to go to those. Uh, maybe you touched uh, on these things. Ezekiel is a prophet that is in Babylon. They're in Babylon because of the failed leadership of the leaders of Israel. They have bad kings. And Ezekiel comes, and there's this prophecy that we're going to read about in Ezekiel 34 that talks about the reason that you're in captivity, the reason that things have happened to you, the way that things have happened to you is because your leaders have turned from me. They've rebelled against me. They've filled the temple with all kinds of corruption. They have just gone astray. And because of that, I have brought judgment to correct them. And that's why you're in Babylon. You're in Babylon because of the sin and idolatry of the people that the leaders have led you on. Now now listen to this in Ezekiel 34. If you have your Bibles and you want to look that up, there's a table of contents at the beginning, because Ezekiel is probably not your favorite book, uh, though it's really good. Uh, So you can look that up, Ezekiel 34. We can't read the whole chapter, so I'm just going to highlight uh, a couple things. Ezekiel 34. And remember, as Jesus is preaching this of the good shepherd, Ezekiel 34 
Everyone there knows what's going on. They have this reference in the back of their mind. Ezekiel 34.1 says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, the kings of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, ah, that's a prophetic like, ah, oh, what are you doing? Shepherds of Israel, you, you have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. You can even start seeing in here, the term shepherd means king of Israel. And the rebuke on the kings of Israel is like, look, you've used my people who I've called by my name to be me. You've used them for your own good. You kill them, you slaughter them, you take whatever you can from them. And then when they're hurting or they're lost or they're alone, they're scared, you do nothing. But God says, but I have a plan. Uh, man's sin and rebellion does not thwart God's sovereign plan and design. Look in verse 20, Ezekiel 34, 20. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I... I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. He will feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Do you see this? The, the people of Israel, they're in the situation they're in because of the sinfulness of their leaders. And so what God's going to do to remedy the situation is He Himself is going to come and seek them out, bring them back in, set up this David over them. Now, this is 400 years after David has lived and died. So David becomes a term for the Messiah that's going to come. He's going to come and set up a Messiah that's going to rule as king, and God himself will rule over them. So they're waiting for this, for this David Lord who's going to come and bring back the, the people. But it's been 600 years since then. And then Jesus comes and announces, I am the good shepherd. I'm the king that's going to seek those who are lost, to bind up those who are injured, to heal the sick, to know your name and exactly what you need. He's here. Jesus says, I've come to fulfill Ezekiel 34. And people go, you're nuts. Here's the third image then. Jesus is he's the shepherd king, but he's also God in the flesh. John 10, 22. 
John 10, 22. It says, at that time, the Feast of Dedications took place in, at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, you know, I told you, and you, didn't, you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. I and the Father are one. You can imagine how this infuriated the Jews who then picked up stones and go, we're going to kill you. You're crazy. And once again, Jesus slips, slips away because it's not his time yet. Now, as we're reading along, uh, there's, there's several months that's, that John just skips over and, and expects us to know it. He, he, he dates things by feasts. Uh, and so we're in the Feast of Boots, which is in the middle of October, uh, and then all of a sudden we, we come to the Feast of Dedications, which is really the end of December. We, we've skipped over uh, three months that in our reading we should know. This does not just all happen at one time, which in my imagination goes, here's Jesus for three months at least going, I want you to know who I am. I'm a patient, loving shepherd. And you're stubborn, and you're hard-hearted, and you're rebellious, but I'm going to just keep coming, and I'm just going to keep giving you this message. So we get to the Feast of Dedications. It's the end of December. It's wintertime. That's, it gives us a little hint, like it was winter uh, when this happened. And the backdrop of the Feast of Dedication. So let me just quickly point it out. You, you, you may have this in the back of your mind. The Feast of Dedication uh, began some 200 years before Jesus. Uh, we know it as Hanukkah. So you know that the celebration Hanukkah. Uh, this was the Feast of Dedications. The backdrop is that there are these uh, Seleucid Empire, or these Hellenized people who are trying to infiltrate uh, all the, the world, really, of that time. And they've come across Israel, and, and it's, they've really gotten their claws into Israel. And so these, uh, this priest named Judas Maccabee, uh, Judas the Hammer, he, he comes in and they, they said this revolt, this Maccabean revolt where they, like, guerrilla warfare, like, high in the hills, and they're killing and looting, and they win back the temple of Israel. And as they win back the temple, they go in and they see there's an oil uh, to light for just one day. So, so they light uh, this candle, this menorah, for, for, they're thinking just for one day, when actually the candle burns for eight days, and they say, wow, it's a miracle. Uh, and so the celebration of Hanukkah, or the eight days, is the celebration of this oil they found in the temple that, that burns for, for that long. So that's the backdrop uh, of where this conversation happens, and I think John wants you to know that. It, it's this idea the Jews come to Jesus and go, okay, tell us plainly, because now's the time. Remember the Maccabean revolt? We can take back the temple. We can get rid of the Romans. Is now the time? Are you truly the Christ, the Messiah? Are you the one that's going to come? Should we revolt now or wait? Are you going to lead us or not? And Jesus is like, you don't, you're not getting it. But the reason you don't get it is because you're sheep that aren't listening to my voice. 
You haven't entered through the gate. You're outside the sheepfold. And outside the sheepfold, there's, there's danger and lost and enemies and scared. Everything is just horrible outside there. There's, there's confusion. But if you come and listen to my voice, if you come in the sheepfold, there I have a plan for you. I'll protect you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. But they don't listen. And notice in this whole imagery, the, the people, the sheep that are outside the sheepfold and the sheep that are in the sheepfold, there's only one thing that really separates them. Did you see what it was? Just listen. Just, it's not how, and you think about it, how good of sheep are you? Do you do good enough? Do you work hard enough? Are you the right pedigree? Are you, none of that. It's simply, do you listen to my voice? You know, when uh, God brings his people out of Exodus and brings them to the mountain and says, if you will truly listen to my voice, if you will be in this relationship with me, uh, it's not about what you do. It's not about just tell me what to do and I'll get busy doing it. It's being in this relationship every day, face to face with Jesus. Those are his sheep. Not to do or to work, but simply hear his voice. Those are the ones that are sheep in the sheepfold. So as we kind of bring it to a close, let me, let me ask you this. What image do you have of who Jesus is? What image is in your head of who God is? And does it match the image of Jesus going, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus knows you by name. He knows who you are. He knows what you need. He protects you. He wants to lead you and guide you. Would you just stop and listen to him? I think that's the challenge for us, especially in our world where we have so much coming at us and we try to carve out times for, well, I want to do this good thing and I want to do this good thing. And Jesus is going, my sheep know my voice. Would you just stop and listen to him? How much of our time do we spend listening to evil or false shepherds who are like, yeah, you get this for, you want to get this, and they're just there to steal and kill and destroy, and they're just empty at the end. But the good shepherd, he knows your name, he sees your fears, he knows your hurts, your doubts. He wants you to just stop and listen to him. He also wants to arouse something in you, that there are sheep that are out there that are lost and broken and alone, and they need to be brought in. That, that's the shepherd's desire, is that the people that we go along and we listen to the voice of the Lord and we, we rub shoulders with, with this other sheep who's ugly and like broken, and you see they're just lost and confused. Those sheep need to be brought into the fold so they hear the voice of Jesus. Well, I want to I end by reading... Uh, psalm 23, very well-known psalm. But this is, uh, hopefully as we read it, in context of John 10 and Ezekiel 34, you'll see it all the fresh again. Uh, and then after we do that, I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. We're going to sing one song. Uh, and then after that one song, Mary's going to come up and play the piano, and we're going to have just a time of communion. Um, and how we're going to do that is we have three, uh, three tables up front here. And there's a table in the back underneath the TV. Uh, elders and their wives are going to be at those tables. 
And they're simply just going to offer you uh, the bread and the cup for you to take. At that time, you can take it and go back to your seat. Uh, or you can grab it for somebody next to you who's not maybe doesn't want to get up. Uh, so just tell, say, hey, would you grab some for me? Uh, and bring it back to your seat. Also at that time, and it's not necessary, but if you're like, man, there's something heavy on me, uh, as you come to the communion table, we do just ask, um, ask the people that are there, would, would you pray real quick for, and then just say. And then before you take the elements, we'll have... Uh, We'll have someone at the table just pray for you real quick. If, you don't, if you're like, nope, I'm good, uh, I just wanted to be by myself, that's great. Just take the elements and, and go away. Uh, don't think, this has, doesn't have to be fast, okay? Uh, so don't think, i got to do this real quick and be done. We're not checking a box. We actually want to we pause and listen to what the, what's the shepherd speaking to you? What's he saying to you? What, what's he want to do? Is it, maybe there's sheep outside that God has you interact with all the time, that he wants into the fold, and you're like, man, Lord, would you just create a way for me to to share with them? Uh, Maybe he just wants to heal something in you. Maybe he just wants you to rest. He knows you way better than I do, Uh, and so I trust that he'll shepherd you during that that time. Uh, So as a prayer, let me read Psalm 23 and and, end, and then we'll have the worship team, and then we'll do communion. Psalm 23, this is Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon. Or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church. Church.